On this episode of A State of Control, we continue our discussions that we've been having on recent episodes about how the industry is adapting to the supply chain and chip shortages. We've talked about virtual control, we've talked about testing new products, and now we get into looking at new control platforms. All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 98, AV on CNN. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. I'm your host, Steve Greenblatt, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Uh, on today's show, we're going to uh, continue to our conversation that we've been having over the past couple episodes where we've talked about the impact of the product shortages, uh, supply chain, and so forth that have really uh, made a big difference, uh, both positively, and I think, and negatively in the AV industry. And we're talking now in the year 2022. So in case you're listening to this in the future, uh, you know some perspective. But it certainly had a big impact, and we've done several episodes um, in the past uh, series this year uh, talking about this from different angles. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to uh, introduce a couple of our guests. One is returning and one is a newcomer. And before we get there, I'd like to say hi to my partner here at Estate of Control, and his name is Rich Fergoza, and he goes by Uncle Richie. How are you today, Rich? I'm doing great. Mellow West Coast greetings. And as we are uh, marching on the path to episode 100. so That's right. Dangerously close. Dangerously close. So I wonder what we have in store for that. We're Stay just going to call that one ah, chef's kiss. The chef's kiss episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, been a lot of years in, in the making. So we've been uh, it's probably about eight or so years if we're doing 12 a year. So, um, well, um, like to welcome back our first guest. Um, he is Mike Krejci, and he's from CTI. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, Steve. Uh, it, it's always good to talk to you and, and Uncle Richie and uh, get to share our knowledge and uh, what we're doing around. Thanks. And uh, the last time we had Mike on, we were actually in person at Infocom, and that was really cool. And we, we had a some of our conversation then um, also pertain to this topic, so it's a great tie-in. And um, last but not least, I'd like to welcome a newcomer to this show, but somebody who has been on the IT Factor. If you've listened to that podcast, it's uh, one that is uh, of, of similar content. Um, and his name is Colin Burney, and he is from AVMSP. Welcome, Colin. Thank you, Steve, and everyone else. I appreciate being here. I'm excited. I hope for the 100th episode, you have all of your previous guests on all at once and they all get, you know, 10 seconds to talk. <laughs> you can, and it'll be a, it'll be a four hour episode. <laughs> I, I think that would be very cool. And uh, maybe that's uh, something we'll have to throw into the mix. 
but <laughs> a battle royale. You could do a bracket a bracket down to find out who the best guest of the past 100 episodes was. There you go. So, so as I, I mentioned at the top, um, a lot of companies, a lot of clients, uh, integrators, programmers are all facing a lot of change. It's probably a good common theme uh, in, in this year, and uh, a lot of it is is not necessarily change that was predictable or change that is something that is um, uh, that warranted or want, wanted, preferred, let's say. Um, but but we all have to change to grow, and we um, and, and sometimes it's it's good to be um, opening our eyes to new ways of doing things, new products. And um, today we're going to talk a little bit about what to, to look at when you're working with a new control platform. So, um, Rich. Uh, I, I say this a lot, but you and I have been around doing this for some time. And, and of course, we have our favorites. And, and a lot of times those come from the experiences that we've had and, and just our knowledge and expertise. When you're doing something for a long time, you get good at it and you get comfortable. Um, but, but what happens when you have to change and look at a new platform? Um, and, and is this something that... Uh, is an easy uh or do, can, can you offer some insight let's say for somebody who has to go down that road you know a big part of it is that prior to you know the dreaded use of the word supply chain um it was really easy to kind of dig your heels in and determine that you were going to be in one specific camp and that's the way it's always been and that's the way it's always going to be and when there were delays or there was a product shortage or, you know, X, Y, or Z or a new model, you were dealing with what people would expect as reasonable delays. A couple of weeks, you know, a 30-day cycle, a 60-day cycle, maybe a 90-day cycle, right? Or maybe you got caught in between model years of a device and you're like, well, you can go ahead and use X, but we do know that the new generation of Y is coming. So, you know, maybe let's design for Y. And when it gets here, which we know will happen within a calendar year, uh, then we'll deploy that way. And that's just the way it always has been in, in the electronics industry. You know, you knew, you knew something new was going to come along. It just dis depends on now. It really, it, it was prior to that, it just depended on what market you were in, which would be your turnover rate. Uh, you know, residential, because you were dealing with consumer electronics, you got a faster burn rate or return rate. You move into commercial and um, you know huddle spaces or boardrooms that has one. You then start moving into education, longer cycle ranges. Then you start moving into government, way longer cycle ranges. So that was just the way that it's been done for thirty years, you know, give or take. Uh, you know, I mean, you would worry about the newest slide projector, the newest overhead projector, the newest video projector, and you know the newest touch display. Now. Uh, because we are so software-driven, the speed of software-driven services makes it impossible to provide hardware excuses. And that's the biggest thing right now for integrators, for programmers, for anybody in there, is that you have to embrace the speed of the software world. And the speed of the software world, you know, they talk about, you know, fail fast, fail often. Um, you know, that's really not what we were taught <laughs> going in. You know, we were taught measure four times, you know, and, and cut once. So, you know, it is it is a completely different way of having to embrace your market 
and your uh, your product cycle and and really your approach to the business. But I think it's good. I think it forced us to stop relying on bad habits. We wouldn't look at something that maybe was better for the situation just because we we had long-standing habits, right? You know, well, I've got a framework of 10 years of stuff that I've done. So why should I look at something new when the stuff I've been doing for 10 years still works and all I basically got to do is just to save as? That's pretty compelling, um, you know, from a workflow standpoint. That may not have been what was best for the project, but it was what was the most convenient for us. So I think that this is an opportunity to expand your tool belt and also be able to provide more finely tuned solutions for, for your clients. Mike, I'll pitch in on the on this uh, same point. Uh, a lot of times you get good at what you practice. So in order to really feel comfortable with something, you need to get some time in, but it's also probably not advisable to do that on uh, you know, basically at uh, the, the client's expense, let's say. Um, so, so when you're looking at what my option, what are your options? Um, can you offer any insight as to um, either how you go about evaluating something new or, or, you know, maybe even have an, a strategy for doing this as uh, in terms of uh, preparing in advance for, for making, for needing to make a change. Absolutely. Um, so as a fairly large integrator, uh, when we think about going to a new product, a new platform, a new anything, there is a learning curve, a new mount. There's a learning curve, right? And it's not just of the programmer. It's not just of the integrate of the installer. It's the engineers. It's the salespeople. It's breaking all departments of those habits in learning the product. Um, there's part numbers that every one of us can name without even thinking about it. What's your favorite switcher? You know the model of it without even without even blinking. So it's breaking that habit, figuring out the quirks of each product, um, what we need to do special for that one. And how can we do it? And there's a cost to that. There's a time to that on how to, you know, learn those quirks, figure them out uh, so we can deploy them properly for the customer. And we don't want to do it there on their site, right? We need to do that before we ever go out and put that product on site and go, well, I've never touched this before. That doesn't put a whole lot of confidence in, uh, in your integration team when you go, oh, this is the first time I've touched it. So we've got to do that beforehand. Um, and so when we decide on when we decide on a new product as as a company, it's a very strategic decision that we're making based on the relationship with that with that manufacturer with that supplier. Um, there's a group a group of people that that all put their input in. You know, is this the right is this the right product technology wise? You know, what does it take extra or less to do what we need it to do? Can we control it? That's the first question my CTO asked me for any product before he green lights it. Can we control it? If I say no, it doesn't go. It, it, you know, it, it immediately gets stopped and red lighted. Okay, how do we how do we solve that? Can we solve it, or do we just need to move on to the next thing? 
Colin, I bring you into this because I think Mike brings up a lot of good points. And I think uh, I, I love the idea that we're talking about. Can you control it for, in the beginning? Because a lot of times that's the last thing that you do. Um, and, you know, we're, we're um, typically in the business of making things work together. And that becomes a lot of times the responsibility of the service provider when we're working with something new. Um, it it, it be, that you know that that challenge somehow um, falls to the 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 person who is the the lowest in the chain, which a lot of times is the programmer. Um, uh, you know, for, from your perspective, and I know that uh, you you do a lot of support of systems. Um, what what advice can can you provide that would um, kind of set people up so that the expectations will would be proper when we're looking at, uh, at, at implementing something new? Oh boy, uh, that's a that's a super loaded question right now because you know if you follow where customers are, especially from a security standpoint, I mean we we are directly in the crosshairs of the zero trust model. Um, we're considered IoT. We're not considered nice to have around or be on a network. And as you get into things like cloud control and all that, you're like, oh cool, so you're going to tunnel into my network and leave a door open <laughs> and, and, and historically have not had a, a really strong, uh, success, you know, a strong structure around security. It's like, well, we put a network port on it. I don't know. And, you know, there's some very, um, almost surprisingly archaic, uh, exploits that can get into AV gear because it just hasn't been held up to the standards. And I think that like kind of going back to what Rich was talking about with, you know, if I can tangent slightly, what Rich was talking about with supply chain, the issue that AV has is that we don't operate on standard sets of hardware. I can't pull a Dell server, throw it in, and then AV suddenly happens. It's happening on devices that have custom chipsets. They have old Windows builds. I, you know, like there's a few manufacturers that are still running bizarre locked uh, Windows builds that you can't update or patch. Um, and that that's just a huge problem. And so I think from a like a programming perspective and even from an implementation perspective, getting in the point of saying, okay, yeah, I need to be able to control it, but do I need to be able to monitor it? Do I need to actually have access to it? Because you can still create control systems in a in a air-gapped environment, and that's fine. And you can sort of pen them in a way that where yeah, they can access the internet, but they can't. But I think that's that's gonna really probably fall on the programmer to have those serious conversations with the IT organization to say, okay, hey, this is new technology. How do we protect you? How do we protect us? Because I don't know about you all in, in your businesses, but right now my insurance agent says you have to carry cybersecurity insurance. If you touch anything on a network, you do not want to get sued out of existence for being the person that hired a contractor that opened up a data breach. It just, it's become an insurance issue, not really a, like, you know, it's not really a, it's a problem, but it's not, it's a financial problem now. It's just, they happen, the incidents happen, you sue your way down the line, everyone needs to be insured. And so doing your due diligence and making sure that you have had the sign off with the IT groups, that's going to be the biggest thing. Because I think, yeah, there's, there's an extent of learning, you know, learning new code, learning new hardware, learning how new, you know, physical architecture works. But I think the biggest thing is making sure that you have partnership with, with your customers and with their security providers and with their network people, because that's that's going to be the easiest way to get shown the door and to lose credibility and to say, hey, this industry is dangerous or this group is dangerous or, or, or something like that. It's like, and you don't want to get marked as the one who, you know, 
who had a data breach because that's a that's a quick way to 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 cut off a large chunk of business flow. I see your face, Mike. <laughs> it's I mean that weighs on me all the time. Like anytime I say, hey, I've got a little box that I can put on your network that monitors things. You know, I like it because I can monitor things, but it also you know there's a there's a, you know, a little trickle of sweat that comes down my face thinking about how much do I trust the company that I'm using that they are secure on their side. Cause you know, that's, that's the thing. It's like, you're not writing, you're writing the code, but you're trusting that manufacturers are in there. And that's a big thing of like, how well do you trust your manufacturers and do they have a history of being on the front end of, of security? And that's, that's the big, that's kind of the big question when we're talking about new. And I want to jump in here real quick, Colin. I, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that scares me at night is not necessarily uh, my company, my team, causing that leak but it's any one of our av products or manufacturers on somebody else's job site on some other comp some other client having that leak right um you know we all you know target that hit the news however many years ago because of you know remote access computer for an hvac system it's a matter of time before av is on cnn right and you know whatever manufacturer whatever part Whatever integrator, you know, whether it's some mom and pop shop in the middle of nowhere, whether it's one of the big guys somewhere, it's gonna be, it's gonna be right. It's it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when um, that it be, that it's there, right? And that's the part that scares me because it's gonna make all of our jobs harder that day, right? F probably for the better in the long term. But that day when it happens, it is going to make all of our lives very difficult because now we're we're already on you know we're already having to secure this stuff. But when they go, oh, this happened there. You guys can't even beat. You guys got to build up your own network. You need to provide your own internet connection. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a it's gonna be. A, a horrible time and it's coming it's got to and that's the day i think that's the day when we start just doing what iot does and we we throw a sim card holder into every piece of gear and say well we're sitting you know physically in your space but 100 percent outside of your network and we're going to deal with the consequences of things as they happen you know i think too mike the, the thing that um you know i'm again i'm not going to name names and this stuff easy enough to find but you know there have been instances where you know, you talk about hardware, we're, we're in this weird space where no one really makes their own hardware. You know, the, to a certain extent, people do, but there's components that go, it goes from, hey, I put my label on this and sold it, to maybe I have, you know, part of the panel, but I've added some proprietary things or whatever. Um, there's a popular you know, wireless screen sharing product that got licensed to everyone under the sun. Um, and a security group picked up on it because there were there was a just a huge number of ex exploits that were available if you happen to have it sitting publicly, which a lot of universities and you know guest environments were doing. And what they found was that when this product got licensed out, there was no path to patch it. So even if you wanted to patch it, no one knew how. And then we also had an issue where half the companies that had made it weren't even in existence anymore. So these small companies that spun up to sell this device that was competing with, you know, every other version of it, 
they quickly folded because it wasn't viable and then they moved on and that's just it it's, it's gone and it's dead and the original manufacturer had no responsibility to to actually push patches down and so i think that's part of when we talk about partnerships and, and especially when i'm advising clients it's like know who you're going into you know a relationship with because if you pick manufacturers that have you know shown to be responsive and have a comprehensive like over the air patch method you have a better chance of yeah like like you said something's going to happen it's not it's not an if it's a when but it's the response that matters and there are varying degrees of comfort i have with with some manufacturers as to whether they would a respond properly or respond quickly or whether they could even respond at all. They, they probably might go, well, we need to call the person who actually made it and <laughs> ask them why there's a gaping hole in the architecture because we just put our logo on it, sorry. And that's that's unfortunately still something that's happening in the industry. I, uh, Rich, I'll have you kind of jump in because I think that this is a really good conversation that we, you know, we're, wasn't necessarily thinking about, but... Um, when it comes to something like this, as Colin mentioned, um, you know, is it uh, <clears throat> the manufacturer's responsibility to kind of sell themselves and 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 make a, the everybody feel comfortable with what they're providing, um, including the clients, or is it more of uh, our responsibility to be selective in saying? This is what um, this is. This is a viable product that we should be considering. Uh, you know, if if we are going to be making a change or doing or using something new, it always comes down to how much you believe the manufacturer is going to be loyal to you over the long term. There are lots of manufacturers that have lots of great marketing sound bites and press releases that talks about dealer loyalty and support and dot 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 and uh i i, I you know there's a well-known saying i have about dealing with manufacturers that i can't really talk about on this podcast um but 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 it has to do with how much you give towards them and how much they give back towards you um you know it it, it has to come down to you know, I mean, if, 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 you know, if it's a consultant spec, you know, at that point, they, that was the consultant's due diligence, right? That That's why they were hired, theoretically, to be able to go down all of those paths and provide the recommendations on X, Y, or Z. And it should have been at that point an educated decision. So if you're being handed something by on spec to deploy, as an integrator, is that on you? to make sure that the manufacturer is following through? No, technically it isn't. At that point, you should have, you know, in your agreement that everything that you're doing is based on the specification that you were given and all issues and uh, changes or, uh, you know, discrepancies should be referred back to the designing partner. You know, I mean, it's been, you know, again, I, I work with consultants a lot. I am a consultant. Um, you know, I write the spec. It's, it's, it's easy to write in your spec that your system is 95% complete and the last 5% is somebody else's problem. Uh, you know, and you can see specs like that that are out there that go, yeah, we think it's good, but, you know, until it gets out there. So as an integrator, you know, or as a programming firm or somebody who's been awarded the contract who wasn't necessarily responsible for it in the beginning, um, part of it is protection. Part of it is advocating for the client as much as you can. Um, but at the same time, there is a chain of command. Now, if you're you know, design build, if, if you are the primary liaison to the client and you are their 
SME, you are their subject matter expert, then absolutely it is your responsibility to say, here are the options, here's my recommendations, and if you want to make a decision where you feel that you can afford to be optimistic, then I need to explain to you the ramifications. I deal with this a lot in, in resi, um, and especially in high-end resi, and bespoke, because you know the the issue that you have in resi is really the bellwether that happens every place else from a cybersecurity standpoint, which is that you have somebody who is fixated on the convenience factor. And, and I always tell this to clients, the whole purpose about security is it needs to be dif difficult to make it secure. Secure and easy do not go together. I don't care how much you wish it would be, but we haven't figured out the omnipotent mind-reading system out there yet. So because of that, we are building fail-safes in to protect you. I am protecting you from yourself. And, you know, my first meeting that I typically have with clients is my job is to tell you no. My job is to tell you the things that you're going to get mad at me for. And then hopefully I'm going to explain it to you in a way that you understand why I'm protecting you for this. Because you're going to be a lot more upset if something bad happens and I didn't tell you. Because then that's on me because I didn't educate you on the risk factor. So, you know, it does come down to risk. And it really does depend on the project where the risk is going to be assessed. You know, and absolutely what Colin was talking about, you know, the minute that you touch anything on a network, whether directly or indirectly, you are creating a point of exposure. And you need to think about that because no longer do we just have analog signals where it stops and ends, right? You don't have just a fuzzy image or you don't have crackling over the pots, right? You have... You know, depending on what you're dealing with, the SEC, DOD, HIPAA, you know, it's it's much more than just, I can't get this projector to turn on and off. And we tend to down, we don't tend to downplay it, but I feel that the manufacturers tend to downplay it more often than not, because it then has to point back at them where their flaws may be. And they don't like pointing out their flaws. It's our job to call them an ugly baby sometimes. And they don't like it when we tell them that their baby's ugly, but sometimes you got to do it. You know, have you had the experience with customers where, by and large, like I know Resi's a little different, but in, in corporate, I don't know that most, I'm not saying like customers don't care that there's a difference between the consultant, the integrator, and the manufacturer, but I feel like a lot of times in their mind, they lump it all together. And when you say, hey, there's an issue and start pointing fingers internally, they go, I don't care. This is AV world. <laughs> You're all the same to me. You're all in the same ball and you need to to fix it. And that's where like I, that's where it makes me nervous is that, you know, you you know, you as a consultant, me as a consultant, we can do our best due diligence. But, you know, they're. I, you know, I can explain as much as I can, but there's still, I feel, feel like at our level, there's still a lot of due diligence just to protect ourselves from manufacturers and integrators and programmers and, and all of that from that sort of getting sort of dragged out into the same, same ball of blame. You know, it, it, for me, it's always come down to who you partner with. If I can't trust my partners to be able to work something out with me. Because again, I, I I always, when I work with partners, I always tell them, I hope the mistake is mine. 
I truly hope the mistake is mine because if I made the mistake, I can fix it, you know, and, and you know, when you are dealing in a, in a collaborative situation with the team, you know, esprit de corps to me is, is really that most important part. I need to be able to rely on that person to come to me truthfully and work otherwise. And, and, you know, and, and I talk to integrators about this a lot, you know, like when they take, when they see a big project and the first thing they see is just like dollar signs. I'm like, this could be a company killer very quickly. If you don't step aside and take a look at not what you may make on this project, but if things go south, what they could cost you on this project. It's never what you make, it's what you walk away with. And so, you know, that is something that I feel that with comes with maturity as a company, comes with maturity as as, as being in the industry, is that, you know, you, you put your hand on the fire so many times, sooner or later you go, that's hot, I shouldn't do that anymore. Um, but it is it is the gripe that is as old as this industry since, you know, before Avixa was Avixa and before <laughs> Infocom was Infocom. And, and we had all kinds of different acronyms and we were still dealing with slide projectors and pneumatic tubes to send messages back and forth. It's the industry old gripe that's going on. And. I, I don't know. We've, you know, I, again, like I said, is it, it's if, if, if you want to eat. You got to make sure that you you plan before you even take on that project. And that's where it starts. It starts with taking is is even saying yes or no to the project, because sometimes you just have to step away because going this is lose lose. Yeah. And I think that like that kind of goes back to what Mike was saying, too, like getting back to programming and, and new new products like there is a security side. There is a failure side. But I think there is a lot of like it doesn't matter how experienced you are. You know, if, if there comes a time where you need to learn a new language or learn a new system, making sure that there's like we all. You know, we all have to be entry level at some point when new technology comes out. No one can say, yeah, I've got 10 years of experience in a product that came out yesterday. It doesn't, you know, doesn't happen. <laughs> but they're, you know, recognizing a history of, of that change is, is important. I, I think the other thing, you know, Rich, where I, where I try to push customers is, you know, I'm, I'm very tired of the, I have a new building design build, you know, portioned out part of things and what I've worked with on a lot of customers is implementing sort of the product manager role within either a consultancy or within the customer to say hey before we like even if we're not planning to build any rooms in the near future or we do have something coming up let's work that out individually because prototyping works these things out well before you have to design it so if I if I the customer have engaged with a consultant manufacturers and and an integrator to actually prototype rooms and prototype new technology and say hey we've 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 hammered on this and we've busted it we've all agreed that this this meets the security requirements that we have then when you move into the larger design build you've made key decisions along the way yeah like tvs don't matter you know pick a tv who cares pick a projector who cares but when it gets to control systems to network to monitoring and things like that you know taking a step back and saying hey let's let's move this into a prototype environment where we can expose ourselves to extreme risk and not pay the consequences and we can test out and say hey do you actually know how to program this i think you know a lot of customers if that's proposed to them because i've you know i've worked with with a number of companies on that where they now have a a product catalog of things that they go through rigorous design on and it changes on a a, a, a calendar cycle not on a per project cycle and so they say hey we have version two of our you know small conference room and it's out 
and it allows them to address that. I think that's, you know, that's a more modern way to go forward. And it also mitigates that risk because you've already taken that partnership and you've done some vetting and you've done some risk assessment in, in a safe space where you cannot, you know, you're not throwing 500 rooms into a building. Well, I, I think that falls under advocacy because I, you know, again, that's, that's a perfect world. Um, I, I, you know, again, from a oh, consultant's absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and the, you know, the, the biggest point and, and, and Steve, you know, and I, and, you know, I'm going to kind of toot both of their horns right now. You know, one of the things that Steve and Mark Lebecki did that was really great was that they spent a, a, a good chunk of time focusing on how you should foster your relationships with technology managers for that reason, because that that's a line item expense. That if it goes to somebody who is on the CFO side, they goes, I don't, why are we spending money on this? It should just work, right? And that's immediately the first thing that gets redlined through, right? Because you don't have somebody championing for you. We could champion all we want, but if there's no value proposition on the other side, it becomes a tough sell. Now, from a consultancy standpoint, should you be doing that from an advocacy, which, you know, again, you quarantine and you got your own skunk works and all of those things. Yeah. You know, I mean, we spec it. We've we've got, you know, I'm fortunate to be in in the Silicon Valley and, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of biotech and, and tech companies and stuff. And and so, yeah, absolutely. They they embrace that. They embrace, you know, that skunk word side of things. But there's still 49 other states in the country that you don't necessarily have that same technology advocacy necessarily and you know i mean one of the things that i I really admire about cti and 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 i think has contributed to their huge growth in the past five years is the way that their teams work together because they do operate that way in terms of the programming the field the design the management the accounting side of things right you know they they are you know if if people watching this or listening to this haven't had an opportunity to kind of follow CTI and what they're doing, you should, because they're really becoming a model in the industry of stuff that is just working. And, and the, you know, again, it's like no, nothing shows that you're doing it right than success, right, and growth. And, and, and a big part of it, you know, is the lessons, you know, I kind of see, you know, with the, the communication, the collaboration, which is they're not believing their own press, right? They're just going in and it's just getting the job done. Steve and, and, you know, the things that he's done with his other shows and his company as well has become a matter of, yes, you've got to advocate. But the only way that the advocating is going to take that next step is if everybody else joins in and goes, yeah, I'm going to deal with the inconvenient stuff, too. Um, I mean, it's, it's just kind of industry wide where whether, you know, there isn't secret sauce we've still got every company out there thinking they've got secret sauce and that's what winds up causing the biggest problem even with consultants right every consultant comes in badgering the other one or badmouthing the other one because oh their secret sauce doesn't work here because we did this and it's the same stuff like you said a tv is a tv a projector is a projector this stuff but even that is a matter of hey by the way did you know that this manufacturer even though we tell them not to push firmware updates just blanket pushed stuff out last night and now we've got 600 TVs that are all stuck on a screen oh that's a problem yeah we know <laughs> you know yeah but they were $64 cheaper well what did that $64 gain you right you know those are it's interesting because, again, I, I bridge both worlds. You know, I, I've got the luxury of bridging both worlds, of being with demanding people in their own personal space and demanding people in their workspace. And the psychology is the same. 
is that, you know, you, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you, but you have to protect the hand that feeds you. And in this current state right now, when you don't got no product, you got to sell whatever you can and do whatever job you can to keep your doors open. And it's also a very volatile time, you know, for integrators, right? Some are just taking on jobs because there's no other work out there. So, you know, it's not perfect. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of people are taking on jobs that are, are, you know, I think there's a lot of reward out there, but they're also probably taking on risk that they normally wouldn't. And that's a, that's a concern. I mean, you know, that, that being able to say no to work is, you know, I don't think that's in the vocabulary of integrators, <laughs> uh, but I think there needs to be a no at some point. Cause if a customer says, Hey, we need you to write some software that does this. You go, we don't do that. I'm, I'm sorry. We don't. I don't want to curb a good conversation, but I, but we, we are uh, coming up on time. I, I wanted to kind of give Mike an opportunity to, to step in and, you know, whether you want to comment on um, what was previously said or um, even, uh, or um, also talk about maybe how to foster that collaboration because it's not only um, collaboration amongst uh, a company, but also partners and manufacturers as well. Um, first, I'll second what uh, Richie said, that uh, we are doing it right here at CCI. <laughs> um, second is, uh, yeah, I think, you know, as uh, Colin was saying, you know, that that being able to mock up the systems and test them out, that's, that's key, right, is, is this going to work in a solution for a customer? Is it going to work in a solution for every customer? And working that out is going is really key to finding the right solutions and you know here at us we're 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 busy you know we're not we have you know there are products that are shipping um there's lots you know if you can find them there are products that are shipping from lots of manufacturers and and we've got a team that's looking for them and focusing on you know uh, instead of what can't we get and what can't we do what can we do? And that's kind of driving us and we're, we're putting our effort is, okay, we can get this product. It's a little bit different than we've used before. Let's see if we can fit it in. Let's try, test it. Let's test it in shop. Does it work? Let's test it on one or two jobs. After it works on one or two jobs, let, let's open the gates a little bit more. Let's open the gates a little more. And then we take that and we communicate it down to the team. Um, and like Rich said, we, we do communicate, you know, amongst all of our offices. Um, so, you know, we don't have 50 salespeople across the country. You know, what's the flavor of the week? What vet, you know, what guy came and bought me lunch to, this week? Uh, you know, that's the product I'm going to use. It's a real true vetting process to figure out, you know, what can we do successfully you know, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be the cheapest. It doesn't have to be the flashiest. It doesn't have to be, you know, one of the manufacturers that has the biggest booth at Infocom. You know, what actually works and what can we do? Um, and ultimately rem remembering, you know, it's not about us. It's not about us as programmers. And ultimately about the end user experience, you know, that's what we're delivering as programmers is, you know, what is the user interfacing with? You know, whether that's a, a panel, a keypad, a, a cable, or an automation, right? They walk into the room. That's ultimately what we're dealing with is the end users 
um, you know, whether or not that's direct relationship, but that's where we're serving is, is them. And how can we keep doing that with those newer technologies, those newer products? I think that's a great way of uh, wrapping this one up. And, and I'm sure that we're going to keep uh, come back to this conversation again, but uh, thank you for that. And I, I want to be respectful of time. Um, I, I appreciate such a lively conversation. And as we always say, the, the ones that uh, are, are uh, you hear the host the least, you uh, probably the best podcast. So uh, this is an indication of one of those. Um, um, Mike Krejci from CTI, thanks for being with us today. How can people get in touch with you, learn more about what you're up to and what CTI is up to? The pleasure's all mine, uh, as always, Steve. Uh, you can find us at cti.com. Uh, you can find me on any of the socials at the Mike Krejci. Uh, that's where you can find us. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, Colin Burney from AVMSP, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about uh, your company? You can find me on the web at av-msp.com. Uh, Twitter's at avmanaged. And then my, my uh, active... Uh, contentious Twitter account is at Bernie Consult, so look for me to be, you know, starting fights with the AV world there. But uh, I, any of those, you'll find a way to contact me, and uh, happy to talk. Always happy to talk. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider them fights. You're, you're making good, good conversation, and sometimes uh, making sure that we're, we're challenging our uh, bit of a closed-minded thought. So. You don't see my DMs, Steve. That's that's the problem. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, um, if you, one day you'll be on the receiving end of one of my DMs. And... If you do want to uh, see Colin more, you can also catch him on AV in the AM, which is how we also are in touch uh, more regularly, and that's on Sunday mornings, uh, hosted by our friend Chris Neto. And uh, last but not least, Rich, another good episode and uh, another great conversation. And I think that we, we had a few takeaways. If you, if you want to share any closing thoughts or let people know how to reach you. Um, yeah, I mean, the biggest takeaway that I have is the one that I always walk away with uh, from these shows, which is these guys have great info and great knowledge and that you need to rewind and listen um, if you didn't catch it the first time. Um, you know, kind of fast forward through my stuff because it's just, you know, the Uncle Richie fireside chat as usual. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a big part of it is that especially now and, you know, Colin, I talked about it before, which is, you know, it is that that danger of saying yes to work that you shouldn't be taking on. Um, help your company grow, help your company survive, help your company thrive. And it comes from following you know, patterning yourselves after the companies that are doing it right, the CTIs and, you know, Collins Consulting and your company and all of that. And so, uh, you know, I, I, as I get older, I am happier uh, embracing that I know less. So I am far more happier listening to these gentlemen at this point. But if you do want to follow any of my musings, uh, you can find me on the interwebs uh, at rfragosa is the Twitter, uh, Fragosa Designs the company. But first and foremost, as I always say, I hope the place that you find me is here on avnation.tv and our suite of shows and all of our verticals, especially here with my partner, Steve. Uh, but that's about it. And uh, if you haven't already, you could check out a recent episode of uh, Resi Week that Rich hosted. So uh, that was always a treat and uh, something that I enjoy. So please, please check that out. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, visit avnation.tv, as Rich said, um, and, and uh 
uh, thank the sponsors, the supporters who helped to make this program and all the others possible. Um, also, if you could, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing your favorite episode, sending us some feedback, leaving a rating review, and uh, letting us know what you think. This uh, ho- episode hopefully got some juices flowing, and we'd love to hear some feedback and some uh, continue the conversation. And as we count down to our 100th episode, uh, we uh, we also want you to tune into that as well. So this is uh, a precursor to that. Um, for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media, and uh, you could also uh, visit my company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net. Um, I do some writing in several places, and um, uh, hang out on evening AM, as I mentioned. And I also host another podcast that is uh, adjacent to this called Ask the Programmer with uh, James King. And if you would check that out, I'd uh, appreciate it. And uh, this has been another great episode. And thank you for joining us on A State of Control. Mm-hmm.